0: You're listening to the Extra Podcast, a podcast produced by Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, BC. We take our faith seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. So we invite you to laugh with us or at us. We hope you enjoy this episode as we talk about the John MacArthur and Beth Moore controversy and disputable matters. If you want to learn more about Northview, go to northview.org. Welcome to the Extra Podcast. We have a newcomer on the show, Colin. Colin Fast. Here Welcome. I am.
1: Thank you. Appreciate that. You excited to be here? I'm a little nervous. I'm gonna be honest. My hands are kind of cold, you know, <laughs> from my nerves. In the case
2: that wasn't cold.
0: clear. Oh, is
2: r- I'm a little cold. Okay. Oh, He's who's that? His it might just fleece, be me. Too.
0: That's Kendra. I'm
2: Kendra. Kendra's Hi guys. Here as
0: well. And Crystal's here as well. Hello. Uh, Colin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? It's a great question. Who am I?
1: Uh, <laughs> so I'm a pastoral intern, part of the Immerse program. If you've uh been around Northview for a while, you've probably heard about that. But I work uh, with Darcy Kuhn in the community department. I oversee community groups. I also oversee our men's Bible study, mm-hmm. which, uh, don't out. tell Darcy, but
0: that's kind of a highlight of my, my <laughs> yeah. job around here. So, so in a f- later in December, I think we're doing an update on the Immerse program, um, telling the church more about it. But enlighten me, enlighten us. You work with Darcy, but you're also an immersed student. And I think Kendra, you are too, right?
2: Yeah, I'm in the same program. So I work with Crystal Taves in discipleship department, um, but I'm also a student at the same time. We're working on our Masters of Divinity. Um, I'm in my fourth year. So you may have seen me around or heard me teaching. Um, and Colin, you're in your what? Second year? Third year. I'm in, in my third, third year. year. Yeah. So how flies does flies that... and you're having fun, people. So
0: how does that work? What happens at the end? What do you walk away with? hopefully how do you a balance, diploma how do you balance working at and for the church and also doing your education what does that look like well I, you know i'm still waiting to see if anyone will
1: graduate before me <laughs>
2: uh, as colin <laughs> looks at me <laughs> the pressure's on
1: so uh, but it, it it's a challenge to balance the master's work plus all the ministry demands because the ministry of course that's that's what we want to do so it's so much easier just to keep saying yes to doing more and more ministry stuff, and just keep pushing off the the school academic side of things, so that's definitely a challenge that i've been i've been facing but it's uh, it's very good all all around though but so that was the,
2: the vision though is that it's it's like residency like if you were a physician going um, to school, you learn all of your medical stuff in a textbook, but then you have your years of residency where you're working in a hospital with patients and then um, Just that competency gets built as you're doing your job as you go. So that's the idea here with the seminary is that it's all context based. It's all in-house. So we have our kind of work week and then we divide that up between learning and then between serving in the roles that we have here as our pastoral interns. So they're very complementary. They're not really opposed to each other, but you have specific focuses that you're doing with your time. So one feeds into the other all the time. It's supposed to be
3: twenty to thirty hours a week, kind of of each, right? Yeah, twenty hours of ministry, twenty hours of
2: school in the mm-hmm. ideal world. In the, in the ideal, ideal world. world, yeah. So that's the trick, like Adam. Yes, how do you balance? And it's like every week, it's recalibrating. How's the schedule? How's the calendar going to work out this week? Mm-hmm. So lots of flexibility.
0: And you have uh, Doctor Kyle Meeker overseeing the Immerse
2: program. Is that right? That's right. How's that? It's great, Colin. He's got uh, he's
1: got a big brain, and <laughs> it's very fun to you know try to pick pick his brain with these different theological ideas. So he's a great, great guy to be uh, around and to have as a resource. Great guy to be learning from, that's for sure. Yes,
2: yeah, so we have Kyle kind of as our academic mentor. And then we have our kind of pastors that we work under as our ministry mentors. And then we have somebody else. So it could be an elder or it could be somebody who works in another church and they are our um, Network mentor. Network mentor. I was like our outside mentor, but yeah, our network mentor. So between those three mentors, they kind of help guide us and prod us and evaluate our work and ask us hard questions, which are great.
0: Cool. I don't want to put you guys on the spot, but I've been told that you guys will be graded on this this podcast, so don't slip up, Colin. Thank you. Okay, don't This slip is up. first time hearing that, so yeah, <laughs> appreciate. Pressure's that. on. Uh, Colin, tell us one or two quick facts about you. What's something interesting? I know you uh, you love coffee. Tell us about that. Are you a coffee guy?
1: I'm a I'm a, a weird coffee guy. I spend a lot of time looking into new coffee shops opening up and going and trying all the different kinds of coffees I can. I uh, recently signed up for a coffee subscription, which is pretty neat. So once a month, two very good bags of coffee show up at my doorstep, uh, which is not really enough to last a month but it makes me happy for you know a week or two as i enjoy it
2: does it feel like christmas every month yeah it's pretty like much surprise stocking
1: i i see i see an instagram update you know that they're uh, they're, they're just finishing way. they're sending out the the subscription for this month so and it's always a surprise it's always new new coffee that i've never had before so
0: now are you a coffee snob To the degree that you won't walk into the break room and drink the the stuff that's been given to uh, the regular folk.
1: Are you you setting up to make me look like a coffee snob here? No, I don't know. Uh, uh, Yeah, a number of people walk into the the staff break room and see me grinding my own coffee beans with my hand grinder (laughs) and making my own cup of coffee with my AeroPress uh, because I would rather have one... Good cup of coffee a day, then. Oh, like so you're six. just using the
3: word "good" good there that makes you a coffee snob, right mm-hmm. there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then, ra- rather just, than having six mediocre cups of coffee, you know. So
0: yeah. So let's just put this out there: as uh, Colin <laughs> continues his pastoral ministry at the church, if you ever invite him out for a coffee, please don't ask to meet at Tim Hortons. I will he, still
1: go. Uh, I won't. I wouldn't even say anything. I would just say yes.
0: And I, then, and,
2: and then order sit water there
0: and, and drink water.
1: Mm, maybe maybe the apple juice
0: <laughs> you have a secret addiction to those ice caps don't you uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right why don't we go around the table and just give a quick ministry update from what you guys have been working on what's something exciting that's happening where you're at uh, i'm actually going to start because today's a big day for us in communications We just brought on a new person to join our team, Dakota Thiessen, who's been coming to Northview for about five years. Right on. He is a recent graduate of the UFV Graphic Digital Design Mm -hmm. Program, so he'll be helping us out with some graphic design, but also, what I'm really excited about, he'll be taking over our social media accounts, Mm -hmm. which is really exciting. Uh, Amber, who's been doing it the last little while, is also really excited because we're moving her back into her her area of passion, which is video. So that means we'll also be able to do more video. And so our whole team is just really excited. So that's a big update for us. That's great. Uh, Crystal, why don't we move your direction?
3: Sure. Um, I think my update or my highlight recently was our baptism services Mm -hmm. on Sunday. Um, It was so great to see all these people excited to have the sanctuary pretty full. I wasn't sure how big the worship center, how big the crowd would be on a, Sunday, a afternoon. Yeah, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I thought maybe if every person brings just four people, there's going to be 60 people in there and that's going to be so lonely, but it was probably five or 600. Uh, we had a great worship team and, um, Adam did a great job pulling together some videos at the last minute.
0: I handed the videos into the video booth at 2 p.m.
3: And the service started at 3.
0: Yep. Wow. A <laughs> couple people were sweating. That oh, yeah. was cool. That <laughs> was a <laughs> cucumber, though.
3: <laughs> but it was great. It added um, them being able to, uh, the people being able to share a testimony about their walk with the Lord without having to stand in front of everybody. So it made them feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And yet it still gave us that personal feeling that we got to know them a little bit through the video. So, yeah, that was just a super. Super fun highlight. How about awesome. for you,
2: Kendra? Yeah, recently um, I've been teaching a class at CBC, which has just been super fun for me because it's kind of combining my two worlds. So Explain
3: I've, CBC for people who may not know CBC what it is. CBC is
2: Columbia Bible College in Abbotsford. And um, yeah, they've started up a brand new program called their Healthcare Assistant Program. So it's basically an eight-month program for um, people who want to go and work as a healthcare assistant Um, often in a a residential care home, sometimes in a hospital. And so it's a brand new startup for them. They just got approval from like the ministry or like the department accreditation, accreditation like from the province um, to do that care aid program. So they've needed some teachers. And so they asked if I would teach their theology class, uh, which is Foundations of Christian Vocation. So it's been really cool because it's been able to incorporate some of my theological training here, but also my background as a registered nurse. And so helping these students to think through what, working in a healthcare environment looks like, um, through a Christian view of the world. And so it's been, it's been super fun, um, to work through. So that's been a highlight every week. Thursdays, Thursday mornings, Yep.
1: Thursdays at CBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe I'll give two quick highlights okay. if that's all right. Make them brief. Uh, the first one is, uh, just this past weekend or a week and a half ago, I was preaching at a friend's church in Vancouver. Uh, so the lead pastor was away, and my friend's a pastoral intern there. So he had asked if I could come and fill
0: in the, the pulpit. He wasn't quite ready? I mean, <clears throat> it sounds like that would fall on him. <laughs>
1: well, I think he, he preaches He preaches like once a month, but he's also going to, going to regent, so he asked if I could fill in one of the okay. extra spots. Right. Um right. But— Uh, For him and I, we've been friends for seven years, kind of this past September, and we met kind of first day at Columbia Bible College as we were starting our undergrad. So for the two of us to be, you know, walking into a church together on a Sunday morning where he was the, like, pastor kind of who's in charge of everything and I was the guy preaching was just kind of a a pretty Mm. neat uh, opportunity and a neat, neat day for us.
0: You guys hatched a plan to go plant a church in a couple years, didn't you?
1: Uh, we talked about it, yeah, of course. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, hey, you it. You, you would be you gotta, fully that supportive of it. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. what
0: we're doing here, right?
1: Uh, and then here's my, my second quick update, uh, also relating to Columbia Bible College, is that uh, myself and a couple other guys uh, have been helping with the preaching class they have there. So there's 22 students in a class who are all learning to, to preach, and there are three of us, plus kind of the primary instructor who's a, a pastor um, at... Life centers, the Life right? Center, yeah. yeah, Brian Stewart. So he's teaching the class, and we're kind of his teaching assistants, but uh, being able to pour into the lives of these 22 students weekly as they're learning this, mm. this thing has been pretty neat, too.
2: Amazing.
0: That's cool. All right, before we transition to our, I mean, I guess we are transitioning, but before we get to our next segment, I uh, just want to plug the AGM coming up again on November 26th at 7 p.m. in the Worship Center at Downs Road. Everyone should come. We are actually this weekend leading up to the AGM are uh, putting out a building campaign update. There's been a lot of questions circling around about what's going on with the new building. Well, this weekend, hopefully you will get your answers. Uh, And we're encouraging everyone to come to the AGM a few days later to get even more. Wait, you said hopefully? Hopefully we get our answers? Depends what kind of questions people have. We're not, we have five minutes. We're not going to, you know, I don't know if I have the exact number of seats are going to be in the new building, but if that's one of your questions, oh man, I don't we'll know. Come if well, come to the AGM it. if come it's come one of your questions. questions. Yeah. Come and ask it. You can
3: come go to the open mic and ask whatever you want.
0: You know, the building campaign, we've kind of hinted at it or mentioned it over the past two years, but mm-hmm. we haven't given a whole lot of info. So that's kind of what we're doing. Giving people an update, catching people up. Where are we? Where are we going? What's the timeline? Is it even happening? People are still asking that. It's so that's, happening. There you go. It's happening. So
2: come to church and come to the AGM.
0: Yep. Okay. That's that. All right. So this past weekend, Jeff preached a sermon on Romans 14, all about disputable matters. Uh, I just skimmed through that, you know, upstairs over the last hour as I was preparing for this since I was busy uh, making baptism videos (laughs) during that time. Um, So I'm gonna pass this one off. But uh, what I gleaned from the sermon was sort of the overview that, you know, Jeff's one of main, Jeff's main points is how do we live in peace with one another when we disagree? And so he sort of had three main points. Number one, accept one another sort of live at peace, you know, should we laugh at those who don't have the freedom to do certain things? You know, those who choose to eat bacon, should we laugh at the people who choose not to? Or if those of us who choose to not drink alcohol or not drink coffee because there's caffeine in it, uh, should we judge those who do have the freedom? So there's sort of two sides there. Mm -hmm. And Jeff uh, dove into that. Point number two, worship your way. Um... You know, this is funny. One of the ex- one of the examples he used was yoga. He very clearly said, "Can you be a Christian and go to yoga and pray to Jesus and think about Jesus while you're doing your stretching?" And Jeff said yes. So I'm very glad. No, is I'm not glad. Your... I wish Ezra was here. I mm. wish I wish Ezra was here because we all know he may not agree with that. That's a dispute. I was going to say you, that go.
2: you would be witness to a dispute.
0: Yep. Yep. Those two right there, and they are best of friends, and yet they do not see eye to eye on that, and they accept one another. So that's a great example right there. Now, point number three, stay in your lane. It's not our job to judge those who have a different opinion on these disputable matters. Uh, He did make some exceptions as far as outside the church versus inside. You know, it's God's um, job to judge, especially those outside Uh, As Christians, we should not be judging non-Christians on how they choose to live their lives. But inside the church, and this leads to one of our first discussion points, how do we deal with people inside the church that we disagree with? Um, And then we'll also dive into open-handed versus close handed uh, discussions. So, uh, Crystal, why don't you enlighten us a little bit about what happened a few weeks ago. It's been circling around online. And uh, just catch us up to speed. What happened? And then we can discuss that a little bit.
3: Yeah, we've been meaning to talk about this for a while and it's just gotten put off the back burner on some of our podcasts, but talking about disputable matters, there was kind of a Christian dispute a few weeks ago um, that was brought up. John MacArthur was having a conference. Uh, John MacArthur is a popular Bible expositor, expository preacher. Um, He's often, he's very clear kind of on what he believes. You never have to wonder kind of what his statements are.
0: Seems a bit old school to me, you know, like just...
3: Well, he's very definite. He has his mm-hmm. definite ways of exposing scripture and he kind of feels like he yeah. yeah. If he th- feels that someone's out of line in terms of what scripture says, he'll will very clearly and bluntly say it. Yeah. And so they were having kind of a panel, a word association game where people were just kind of I think a, a panel or a um, MC was just kind of throwing out words to that to the people on that panel and they were supposed to respond with the first thing that came to their mind. And so someone just threw out the word Beth Moore who is a female Bible teacher. And John MacArthur's response was, go home. And that caused a whole spark of internet debate and controversy about what he said, because he further went on to say that he's not for women preaching and teaching and that he has a very um, kind of clear line on how and how that should happen within the church. And um, after that initial go home controvers- or comment, And so the, yeah, the debate just kind of grew on Twitter and all kinds of different things, people siding with different people. Beth Moore didn't actually engage that much in it. She kind of just let other people um, respond, but it was an interesting moment where something that is a disputable matter within the church really blew up and caused people to take sides.
0: Twitter's great for that.
3: Oh, yeah. For
2: blowing stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So sort of the real question is, and you know, part of the, part of the, controversy, wasn't that uh, necessarily that John MacArthur holds this viewpoint or that he said this viewpoint, but it was sort of this hard-lined, this is what the Bible says and anyone who disagrees is wrong and in sin, essentially. Mm -hmm. So in his mind, this is a, this This is is not a disputable.
3: No, in his mind, this is very clear. This would be a core doctrine for him. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we think?
0: Or is that not what we want to talk about? <laughs>
3: well well, I guess that
0: raises the question of, you know, in, in we're gonna talk a little bit about how we evaluate something, whether or not it's it's disputable or not. I'm I'm wondering if for John though, because he believes this isn't a disputable mm-hmm. matter, he is standing up for what he believes. He is hardlined, I have to defend this because if I let this go. Then the dominoes are going to fall. Exactly. I think that's where his opinion is.
3: For him, it's a it's a piece of how you read scripture. Like if you allow if you allow women to preach and teach in different settings, then you're reading scripture in a way that's going to be dangerous for other interpretations and stuff. So for him, it's core in that way because he sees that um, the way you interpret scripture's teaching on women preaching yeah. or leading is going to is going to affect how you interpret scripture in other ways.
2: Right. You'll interpret those particular scriptures one way, which kind of opens the door to interpreting all scriptures potentially in a different way. Yeah. So, yeah, for him, it becomes really, really a core doctrine issue. The interesting thing is with Jeff's sermon, he was talking a lot about culture things. So just the way that we interact in our world, not really things that have clear commands about um, that God has given any commands. I've never read anything in the Bible about yoga or, or anything aspartame, about or, aspartame yeah. or anything about blundstones. Yeah. So for those issues, there really isn't a scriptural command. Um, the issue, though, when we start talking about like doctrinal things is that these things are mentioned in the Bible. So women in leadership is mentioned in the Bible. Um, adult or infant baptism, like the idea of baptism is mentioned in the Bible. And so how are you going to read those passages? How close... Um, Do you hold them to being centrally gospel? And how much can you kind of be, we've used the language open-handed or close handed How open can you have your hands around certain things? And so that's where there can be legitimate um, discussions. And if you want to say disputes about, I believe these for these reasons, and I believe this for those reasons, different doctrines. But how do we still go about having those disagreements? And how do we decide which ones should we hold way up high and like pronounce these things as ultimately the way to read it. And then what's our attitude in the midst of that, I think is the really important key. Yeah.
3: That was a good clarification between what Jeff's sermon is doing and what we want to talk mm-hmm. about a little bit, because like you said, he was talking about things that aren't in scripture. But yeah. when we think about theological things that are in scripture and which are disputable and which aren't, I think the big thing is how clear are they in scripture? How core are they to yeah. scripture? How central are they to the gospel? How much is the kind of character or nature of God changed? By whether or not we we meddle with this idea or not. And so I think that's where they are all in Scripture if we're talking about them as Christians, but how core mm-hmm. do we want to hold them? Like, does disbelief in certain things make someone not a Christian? Right. Or does it just mean, well, they have just a different understanding of this topic mm-hmm. than maybe the majority would? Colin, anything to add?
1: Well, I mean, I think you've been given some, some good over overviews there. One of the things I think Greg often talks about is kind of theological ecosystems. And uh so when we're talking about open handed, closed handed, disputable matters, we're also keeping in mind, you know, how does a a change in this position actually then change the whole ecosystem? How mm-hmm. does mm. so in in some ways, you know, that the the John MacArthur thing, you can understand where he's coming from because he he doesn't want the whole ecosystem to change. But mm. uh yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely something worth having more sustained conversation
0: about. So, Crystal, how do we actually know when something's disputable theologically? Where do we, you know, put our foot down, and where do we lift it? Okay feet, hands, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever the hand, metaphor is in, it? Just, yeah just you know, yeah. where do we stand firm and
3: open our hand I don't know. Yeah. How do it, we evaluate those it's things? It's important for us to think through that because sometimes we're gonna like fight tooth and nail with somebody over yeah. something that really isn't a big deal. Right. And then we're gonna let go of something that actually is a really big deal and we should be fighting for it. We can still fight civilly and you know, kindly, but we still should be actually holding the ground. Like there is sometimes in the wake of like you know, you have the Reformation where there's all these wars and people killed each other mm-hmm. over doctrine. Or you have, you know, the uh, last generation before us, there was so many rules and legalism. Sometimes the extreme then is to go, okay, we don't want to just fight about anything. We just want to allow everything. We just want to be welcoming as a Christian community. But yeah. that's not good either. We totally. have to have discernment.
2: Yeah, I had, was camping with a friend a couple of years back and um, she's Catholic and I'm Protestant. And so we were just ch- talking about some of the differences. And she says, Kendra, I just don't want to argue with you because what I want is just... we're on the same page anyways. And I said, well, we're on the same page about so many things, but this one thing that we're talking about, we can't, but we have totally opposite views and I don't want to fight with you, but I think we really should discuss why we believe what we believe because I want to understand you and I hope you want to understand me. And so we ended up having hours of great conversation, not fighting, but real discussion about the different views um, that we were, the reasons why we held those views, why we interpreted scripture in a certain way. Yeah.
3: So there's a great article that I would point you to if you're interested in this. It's uh, written by Justin Taylor. It's on the Gospel Coalition website, and I think we can probably link it to the information on our website about this podcast. It was published September 9th, 2015, and it just says, Not all doctrines are at the same level. How to make some distinctions and determine a doctrine's importance. So basically, he gives us seven things that we should evaluate to decide whether something's open-handed or close-handed. And we can maybe go through uh, some of them as an example. But biblical clarity, is it clear in the Bible? Uh, Is it relevant to the character of God? Or does does it affect God's character or not, depending on what we believe? Is it relevant to the essence of the gospel? Um, How frequently does it come up? Like, there's a thing about baptizing the dead that comes up once in 1 Corinthians 15. Like, Mm. do we make a whole doctrine about that? We don't know what that means, right? Mm. How frequent is it?
2: Right, Um, teach like a week-long course on that in your discipleship. Yeah, no, it sounds a
3: little bit, yeah. Uh, Does it affect other doctrines? You're talking about the ecosystem there, Colin, right? Right. Does changing this doctrine or thinking through this affect something else? Um, The consensus among Christians in the past, like knowing what Christians have believed about this, uh, and then the effect that it has on personal and church life. So those seven things, if we think through, it can ha- kind of help us see how core something is. If if something is, and we can do some examples maybe, but fitting all seven of those boxes as really important, then you think, well, this is a core doctrine. Mm-hmm. But if it's maybe only one or two of the boxes or some of them, then it's then it's really periphery and we shouldn't really stress too much. Yeah. All right, did you have something you want to add?
2: I was just going to say, like. So a list of seven things, but this can be so helpful when you are in discussions with your family members or, you know, chatting with your friends and being like, well, how much weight should I put on to you? Like we disagree on this issue, but how important is this issue for me actually to think through and to ask you questions about why you believe what you believe? Um
3: Especially if they're claiming to be a Christian, right? If they're not claiming to be a Christian and they have all kinds of opinions, well, it's one thing. But if they're saying, I am a Christian, but yet I don't believe Jesus is God, well, then you might want to have a conversation about why. Yeah. Right?
2: Like I have, like some of my uncles um, have a really strong view on what you should do and what you shouldn't do on the Sabbath, on the Lord's Day. And so for them, I'm just like, you know what? This is kind of an open-handed issue and it's okay. Like it doesn't need to be something that's a rift in our relationship. So I often don't engage them in conversations around the Sabbath and why they believe that and how can they defend it and how many times does it come up in Scripture? And I don't go through this list with them. You know,
0: I've developed very strong opinions on what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, I developed these eight years ago when I got married and I started being asked to do... Lots and lots of chores on Sundays. <laughs> like, so do I, the dishes. Yeah, yeah. Lawn make maintenance, lunch, all that kind Sabbath, of stuff. No, <laughs> I can't. You know what? I can't even walk three feet because technically that's work. <laughs> so, oh, uh, yeah. You <laughs> nothing know.
3: happens at the warm house on the Saturday. I'm wondering no, if your snipers you
0: know, don't get changed. <laughs> no, no, nothing. So, yeah. Yep. There's always lots on TV, though. <laughs> it's a joke, guys. Oh, I know.
2: But that's not to say that these things then don't matter. Like uh, the class that I was teaching a couple of weeks back, the issue of rest came up. And so we ended up, there was a student in the class who had a different view of what Sabbath looked like than I did. And so we were able to, in an academic setting, like this is an important issue for us to press because we were wanting to intellectually understand this. And so it being disputable or open-handed doesn't mean it's not important. It just means how close and how, how, important, how is important it is that do we all agree to, on the same yeah. thing, right? Yeah, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and so that brings up a good point. I mean, especially for inside the church, you know, the more we talk to our friends and go our separate ways and start to engage with one another about what we believe. I mean, Bible school was a big one for that. That's where a lot of those discussions happen. But, you know, there are so many different churches uh, uh, today, all Christian churches that have really emphasized certain things. Yeah. And, and some of them are all about community. They're less about sticking strong to preaching deep theology, mm. but they just want everyone to feel comfortable. Um, and that's a great ministry for people who are maybe just entering the faith and maybe are in their first stages. They just need a safe place to come and hear about Jesus, but it's not speaking at a level necessarily that a you know someone in seminary would get a lot out of. Whereas perhaps in other places like this one, you know, we go deep into the, the biblical studies. But then how do we engage with our friends, our family, our peers that perhaps are listening to other teachers, preachers, churches that emphasize certain things, and when we don't see eye to eye? So could we maybe walk through one of those things? Let's take Speaking in tongues. All yeah. Christians mm-hmm. should speak in tongues. So maybe, Crystal, you can help us walk through these seven things to evaluate and see where we land on 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 a topic like that.
3: Yeah, so we can all talk about it, but biblical mm. clarity. How clear is it that all Christians should speak in tongues? What would you guys say? What would you pull for if someone said that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd go to 1 Corinthians. Where it talks about this idea of speaking in tongues, and Paul's very clear that when he goes through the list of— um like spiritual gifts, it's one of, and then he asks the rhetorical question, "Do all speak in tongues?" And so, as you just read through, it's like, well, it's not clear that everyone has to. Mm-hmm. It's actually more clear that some do and some don't, and it comes up only a couple times in in the epistles. It's not all throughout the New Testament, so it's not w- what like cement clear. It's not like rock solid there.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so maybe on the other side of the argument, people will you know, point to something like Acts two, where the, in Acts one, Jesus says, you know, I'm going to go, but the spirit's going to come. And then Acts two, the spirit descends upon the apostles and then they start speaking in tongues. You know, so there's this one example, that people will then look to and say see this is this is, this what, is, this the is normative yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. this is the way it should be yeah
3: so that's one of the seven so we kind of have a bit of a mixed right mm-hmm. you have that this is what happens when the spirit comes but then you also have first corinthians saying not all speak in tongues so when you think about biblical clarity it's yep. it's there but it's not necessarily clear second thing relevance to the character of god how clear how relevant is it to the character of god that everyone speak in tongues
2: Our silence, I think, is the answer. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't really impact, it doesn't impact who how God we think. Is. Yeah.
0: When God shows up to people or even speaks to Moses through mm. the burning bush, is he speaking in tongues or is he speaking Moses' language?
2: Right, depends. Well, I and mean, this is the whole thing yeah. what's a tongue? Is it? So, languages? like in Acts
3: 2, it was relevant to the mission yep. in the sense that they got the Spirit. And so they could speak in all the languages of the people yeah. who were there, right? But it wasn't was relevant to the character of God in terms of an ongoing.
2: And us being able to speak in tongues yeah. isn't relevant to the character of God. Yeah, Like God will speak and act how he does. But if we're saying that if I can't speak in tongues, that's going to change the way that God can interact with humanity or change or view the essence of, his character. of who he is as his character. Like it, it doesn't work that way.
1: Uh, so I was actually teaching the our Thursday theology class about the baptism of spirit and mm. filling with the spirit uh, like a week and a half ago. And so, of course, in this situation, tongues is kind of the, the conversation that you need to be having because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there are certain Christian traditions, more often Pentecostal traditions, where the sign that you have been baptized with the spirit is that you have tongues. Yeah. And so... Uh, Well, on the face of it, it doesn't seem like it might affect our understanding of the character of God, but all of a sudden, now that I'm thinking about it, it it does kind of distinguish the, the persons of God. You know, we believe one God, three persons, Father, Son, Spirit. And so if we're saying that you can have Jesus at one point, you can believe in Jesus and be unified with Jesus, but not have the Spirit, I'm not sure if that's like a line of thinking we want to go down, just theologically.
3: But you're saying that some people would say evidence of the Spirit is speaking in tongues. Right. Do we have other things that are evidence of the Spirit in Scripture other than speaking in tongues? Do we? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Lots of things, right? So it's not the only mark of being Spirit-filled.
0: Can I I just ask a question? Has anyone ever met someone who's been blessed with the gift of interpreting tongues? Because we don't talk about that a lot, but it's pretty Mm -hmm. clear that if some people are speaking in tongues, there should be an interpreter there.
2: If the tongues are being spoken in the public gathering, yeah, yeah. If it's private in your home, then like, I don't and remember this is, scripture. This is actually about just a, le- a legitimate question. Like yeah. in Pentecostal
0: circles at worship gatherings yeah. or whatever, like how is it normal to have interpreters and like saying, "Oh, this is what they're saying," or is I don't that think so. is that not even? I, I mean, I I've never been in a, in that kind of situation.
1: So I, I don't have firsthand experience of even ever hearing anyone speak in tongues personally. Yeah, I so. lived
2: in, when I lived in Switzerland f- uh, for a year, I went to a more um, charismatic, probably Pentecostal um, church, and they were speaking in tongues all the time in French. So to me, everything was a tongue. <laughs> um, but you can tell, right, when all of a sudden it seems like there's more of a spiritual element. and um, Yeah, but there was never, in my church setting there for one year, there was never an interpreter who would say in French, this is actually what this person is saying. To all of us. Which is what but that's Paul's just, commands in 1 Corinthians
3: yeah. 14 are that we yeah. should have. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of biblical frequency and significance, how often is it taught? Well, we have an Acts, yeah. And, yeah, and then 1 Corinthians. Corinthians, Corinthians and that's it, right? So when you think of the fact that Paul wrote letters to all these other churches, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all of his yeah. pastoral epistles, Hebrews, James, and none of them mention speaking in tongues... It seems a little bit more periphery, right? It was one church that was dealing with this issue.
2: Yeah, so there's the issue of unity and yeah. brotherly love that comes up in almost every epistle. Yeah,
3: and people being gifted for the work and yeah. the importance of core doctrine and all that kind of stuff. Consensus among Christians, past and present how how consistent has it been been the belief of speaking in tongues? Do you know from your research, Colin? Church history. Yeah. Mm. Did you did teach Martin on that at
2: theology class? In
1: <laughs> I did not really look into the historical
2: theology side I don't of even this. know if Martin Luther wrote about speaking in tongues.
3: I think it really became a big thing after the Pentecostal movement, like early 1900s. Yeah, yeah the 1900s. Until then, it wasn't really a big... There would have been like little fringe groups, maybe, within the Christian church that might have had some experience with it, but in terms of it wasn't a mainstream thing. So uh, kind of until, the last
2: hundred years uh, yeah. of our history instead of 2,000 years of church history. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm. I'm just thinking back. So last year I was at ETS, the conference oh, yeah, that the right. pastors are at this yeah, week. Yeah. Spoiler alert. And, yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, I never said that.
2: No. Yeah, oh, yeah. Do, yeah.
0: Do we need to put that in? Yeah, Jeff's not here. He preached the sermon. He's not here because he's at. He's in San Diego with almost all the other pastors around here. It's a very empty office right yeah, now. Yeah. For the. You just said ETS. the yeah,
1: Evangelical Theological
0: Soci- Society. And they have an annual meeting where really smart people come and present their research and thesises, mm-hmm. theses yeah. on different topics. And they basically sit there and listen to lectures. Or and debates. My, our yeah. theory is that they just end up going to the beach. <laughs> <and> <laughs> when they're eat. in San Diego. Yeah. yeah.
1: So last year was in Denver, so beach wasn't really the option. And it was November, <laughs> so you wanted to be inside because it's cold uh but one of the sessions that i went to was about spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues and uh it seemed like whether you believed that speaking in tongues was a gift that we would still have today uh most people on both sides of the argument agreed that kind of after the 2nd, 3rd, 4th century bc or 4th century AD. ad uh there isn't a ton of historical background on record yeah on a record of of people speaking in tongues and gatherings that kind of thing so
3: until more recent yeah yeah until
1: about Mm -hmm. the 1900s yeah Yeah.
3: so then when you look like just even applying some of these five or seven questions to something like speaking in tongues it helps you clarify okay this is it's -hmm. fine there's nothing against it scripture doesn't say don't speak in tongues and paul even says i speak in tongues and it's great but it doesn't it's not a core thing you don't have to make it like it's not if somebody believes something differently than you about this it doesn't really matter
0: it's disputable so by walking through these seven things to evaluate which again is from justin taylor's blog that we will hopefully link in our show notes or somewhere september 29th 2015 uh it's titled not all doctrines are at the same level How to make some distinctions and determine a doctrine's importance. We only asked five of the questions. We kind of came to a pretty good consensus that this is Mm. an open-handed thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. So not open. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter. No. Or it's not important because it probably will shape then your
3: your worship, your your your, worship,
2: your Christian life, like what you're going to pursue with God in the midst of how you live your life here and what church you attend. So they're important. But the question is how important. So I think yeah. So
0: do do Jeff's main three points even though he was talking about a little bit more cultural things do they still apply to how we would uh talk to and deal with uh, other believers who might uh believe otherwise on this issue so accept one another uh worship your way and stay in your lane are those do those three points still apply to a non uh to to a theological disputable matter
3: I would yeah, say so. I yeah. would think so too. Yeah, I think if you're in charge of in a teaching or leadership role, and somebody has it, somebody holds really firmly to something that it is not core. I think it's. Behooves you as a teacher to say, like, let's look at why this may be not core, and don't hold on so tight to it. Like, if I find people getting all twisted up about things at women's ministry at a Bible study or whatever, I'll I'll try to encourage them to let's not get all twisted up about this. Like, let's realize that it's not core, and I'll kind of try to guide them to an understanding of what is core and what isn't. But at the same time, I don't want to be disdainful to them or get all upset or angry right one of the key things I look for in leaders um, around our tables because we have table discussion leaders is are these people who are leading comfortable with the fact that other people at their table may have different different ideas on things or is that going to really bother them like some people get so mad when someone talks about seven-day creationism versus not or end times things or the women in ministry like they can't actually handle discussions mm-hmm. with somebody that holds a different opinion. Yeah. And if somebody is like that, I find it hard to put them into leadership because I think they're not <laughs> really like a safe person yeah. for those. Because you need to be able to honestly debate these things and come to scriptural understanding and think through them and talk through them without feeling like you're getting uh, attacked. Yeah. Because if somebody holds them so tight, then it can be just threatening everyone else just shuts down because you don't you don't want to actually examine scripture for what it's, what it's saying.
2: Yeah, so once you've kind of gone through the those questions and you realize, okay, well, this isn't a core issue. So we can have different viewpoints. I think that whole idea of, am I going to condemn someone? Like how dare you like think this way? Like how could you? Like it's so silly that you wouldn't be able to see what I see. Like that's just an incredibly unhelpful attitude or the other way, like Jeff talked about the weaker and the stronger. If the weaker looks at the stronger who has maybe a little bit more training or maybe a little bit, they've done longer study in a certain area, to not be able to look up and be like, to judge on that attitude or to judge on that, that viewpoint of that doctrine. So, I, yeah, I think the attitudes still really, that Jeff was talking about from Romans 17 or 14, I think really apply over into this idea of, of open handed doctrine and how we interact with one another. Uh,
1: so, there's a really great quote from a guy named Augustine or St. Augustine that uh, people still quote all the time today it is, uh, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity, or in mm. all things, love, and I think that's that seems to be mm. kind of a, a, a summary of pretty much everything that we've been talking about at this point. Is that,
0: mm. Colin? You know, in my brain for the last couple minutes, I was thinking about how are we going to wrap this up. I think you that know, did what's it. our yeah, main, it. what's the one main takeaway we can all walk away with? And I think you were just <laughs> that's you know, why on we that have Colin around, so. yeah. You know, Colin is a, he's a reader. He's, a, he's a tweeter. That's are you, also true. Are you a tweeter or are you a reader of tweets? Uh, I
1: read more tweets than I tweet myself, but I, I've, I've been known to tweet.
0: Because we've been throwing around the idea of uh, bringing in some sort of segment here where we talk about tweets that we either mm. really like from the previous week or don't understand and And it came up that we should really ask Colin to join I'm your, I'm your guy for that one, yeah right. that's, that's for awesome. sure sounds good. so coming up next week, Colin will be here with his favorite tweets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, any last words, guys, about this topic or anything that you uh, didn't get a chance to say? Nope, not that's great. uh Colin, you have an announcement for us. what's coming up? Oh, yeah,
1: uh so this year on the April what's it April third, fourth, three, fourth, yeah. third, fourth, and fifth. We are having a men's retreat at Rock Ridge, uh, which I don't actually know where that is. But, Back to Rock Ridge. But it's a apparently it's a nice place. Very Beautiful.
3: nice. Uh, Quite lovely. Uh, we were there for the women's retreat last year. So. Mm-hmm. The men's yeah, retreat
1: my, was there yeah.
0: several years ago, mm-hmm. a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, with Brian Hurlbutt. We don't have Brian oh, Hurlbutt coming this year. He's so uh, good. But we are going to be talking about Knowing God, which is uh, uh, the title of a very famous J.I. Packer mm-hmm. book, which is, I would say, uh, one of the best books for not for kind of your average person to read to understand more about who God is. Uh, but we're going to be using that theme uh, to kind of guide our weekend with Ezra coming to to preach to us. And uh, the rest of the time will be nice and, I don't know, relaxing. What do you do at, at Rock Ridge? I heard there's a zip line. There's a zip, there's line. A zip, zip line.
3: Hiking. There's basketball courts, floor hockey. The so pool probably pool? won't be open in April. Oh, it's April. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So all kinds of fun possibilities.
0: Yeah, and fun and f- story from Good Rock food. Ridge two mm-hmm. years ago. Brian Hurlbutt Hurlbut was there preaching, and he was also selling his book, very dense theological Tasty book, Jesus. Tasty Jesus, mm. which had a really crazy long subtitle with a lot of words <laughs> that I didn't understand. And, uh, and Andy Steiger was also promoting his book. And whoever was emceeing, I think it was Greg Harris or someone – Uh, had this ongoing joke about whose book was better. And uh, I don't know how it all went. They ended up making some sort of bet or something over the weekend where the loser would have to burn their Their book book over the fire. (laughs) And Andy was game for this. (laughs) And Brian was kind of thrown into this game that he didn't really enjoy. And he ended up losing. Mm. And whoever it was, Greg or whoever literally made him go to the fire and throw his book on it and watch it burn and it was so uncomfortable brian if you're listening which you're not we are so sorry i uh that was so terrible (laughs) welcome to north (laughs) you
2: hospitality at its finest all right so if you
0: want to be uh privy to some of those shenanigans come to the men's retreat uh in april all right thanks for listening guys
2: have a good week